Now it's okay. recording. Go. Evolutionary Org podcast coming away, episode 393 QA. Steve Smee here and the Rickster. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? So, this one, guys, we have five fun episodes, uh, four really good steroid ones. And the last one, we're going to talk about stress. So, you know, uh, very, very important topic that nobody else ever, ever talks about. So, the first one we're talking about is reducing trend sweats. So on Trenbolone, if you use Trenbolone, you'll notice when you're on it, what happens is at night especially, you'll wake up in the middle of the night and your bed will be soaked. Or you'll work out and you'll notice that you're sweating a lot quicker. It's really weird. It's almost like you're always running a fever. So you know, I know, Rick, you've studied trend, but my main theory as to why this happens is because when you take Trembolone, you're increasing inflammation in the body like crazy. Trembolone basically causes something called PGF2A, which is a prostaglandin, to increase in the body, which is an inflammatory situation in the body. So you cause that inflammation. I also think another theory of mine is that when you're on the Trembolone, what happens too is your body is so sick because trend is like a toxin in the body. So when you get your body gets sick, what's your body going to do? Your body is just like it's just like when you get a viral infection your body turns up the heat because it's trying to expel those toxins out of your body. It's trying to fight what it perceives as that foreign substance or body attacking your body. So that's how powerful trend is in the body and your body reacts to it by increasing the temperature, especially at night. Now, a lot of you out there, you know, you'll get night sweats no matter what. And that's because your body, while you're sleeping, is regulating its temperature and trying to repair, regulate, and clean itself out while you're sleeping. That's that's very, very important. So if you're noticing that you're getting these night sweats even off of trend in just a normal situation, that could mean that your body is, is fighting something and your body's kind of sick. And a lot of that could be, uh, you know, I, look, you know, I could sit here and play stupid with you guys, but let's all be real. It boils down to gut health. Because over the years, I've known people that have had this problem, and they all have gut health issues stemming from years of eating the wrong foods, using antibiotics, all this stuff to screw up their gut. So it all leads to the gut. So when you're on trend, it really leads to the gut, too. You'll notice when you're on trend, you also have things problems like heartburn on trend. You notice your bowel movements change on trend. There's all kinds of other things that happen with the gut. So I think that that all comes together. So my recommendation, I'm, I'm going to let you take over from here, Rick. But I, my recommendation is simple when it comes to trend. Don't run it during the hot months of the year. Because if you do that, it's going to be really, really tough, tough on you. And the bottom line is you might want to invest in like a fan, you know, while you're on this stuff. because you know, you'll, you'll get really hot at night. Your body will turn up the heat at night. So maybe it's time to change 
the temperature that you're sleeping, get a fan, you know, sleep with less clothes, sleep with a, a thin sheet instead of a blanket and get ready to change your, your sheets quite frequently on trend. What do you think, Rick? So I got to kind of give two answers on this, really, for this one. Number one is just don't use so much trend. If you're noticing some of the undesirable trend side effects, just, just roll it back. And that's the more responsible part of it. Because not everybody gets these uh, trembolone nighttime sweats. Only if you're prone to it. And you're and different people have different effects, different dosing. So just cut back on it. That's the more responsible, straightforward way to do it. You could always throw more drugs at the situation. Like there are other uh, there are other drugs out there um, that could help you with night sweats. One of them is uh, called glycopyrrolate. Can barely pronounce that. And um, for about a week on it, it actually helps you uh, not sweat as much. It's been proven to do that. Off label too, something like oxybutynin. Um, uh, also has been shown to help with sweating. And I've uh, heard anecdotes here and there of some top-level guys uh, doing a good bit of trend, using some of these to keep some of the sweats away, not just from the trend, but even from, from having some mass. So not the most responsible thing to do, to throw more in different drugs to, uh, to deal with side effects from maybe using a little bit higher higher or a bit or quite a bit higher dosage of trend than your body can really tolerate but um if you're you know if you're, if you're a big guy you know what you're doing coach maybe to uh address that might be worth uh researching that, that's all i got on that stuff subject steve next one we're gonna talk about is steroid use 40 plus years old versus 25 years old so a lot of you guys listening to this show or about how old do you think, Rick? What's a demo on our uh, listeners? It's pretty much a mix, oh, right? Dude, oh, oh, dude, dude, uh, uh, guys, guys listening to this, to guys listening to the show have either been juicing for a while, or are juicing right now, or are juice curious. <laughs> so, and when I mean juicing, I'm just talking about any performance enhancement drug uh, taking, and that demographic is broad, man. We got some younger guys that are coming on the podcast listening and we got some really old guys on like legit scripted TRT. So um, we have a pretty even uh, spread as far as who listens to the show, but the majority of guys listening to the show are between the ages of 25 and 44, 45. So Eve, so that this is good because this topic covers all of you. Cause one day you 25 year olds are going to be over 40 and then you over 40-year-olds are listening to this, and you're kind of going through what Rick and I are going through. So how does it change from when we're young? Now, our next episode, it's going to be a compound episode. It's going to be episode 394. I'm actually going to get more into this. So but we're going to give you a little teaser. One of the things I've noticed, I'm going to let you take over on this one, Rick, because you, you, know, you, um, you seem to be really a study of this whole age thing. And I noticed that in our episodes, you like to kind of compare yourself from when you were 20 to when you were 30 to when you were 40. You have a really good sense of your, your change. And plus you have kids and you watch your kids grow up too. And you saw how the younger guys 
are a little different than we were when they were age, completely different, um, especially with technology and stuff now. So, and the knowledge that a 20 year old can acquire now, a 25 year old can acquire now versus what we could acquire at that age. It's like night and day. So for me, I think I've gone full circle. Um, I think when you're younger, you tend to want to seek, you know, attention. Maybe you want to seek attention from women. Maybe you want to seek attention from your parents. Maybe you want to seek attention from your friends. Maybe you want to seek attention from men, from other men. Maybe you want to seek attention from people at the gym. So you go on this egotistical trip where that motivates you to get into into this game. So you tend to do things a little more aggressively when it comes to steroid use. Then when you get over 40, you know, you go full sucker, maybe you're married, you know, you don't give a shit. You start not giving a shit what other people think, you know? And I think that's kind of, you know, where I'm at now. It's like, I really don't give a shit what people think about how I look. I just want to be, you know, healthy, stress-free and, you know, look good. I want to look good year round. So I'm not that obsessed with, you know, running a ton of steroids and, and jamming myself up at the gym six days a week. Cause I used to work out six days a week. I don't think there was a point for like, for, I mean, I think like six, seven years straight where there wasn't a time where I took more than two weeks off from the gym, you know, and my biggest concern when I was moving you know, I did, I'd, I'd move around every time I'd move, like say like every four or five years I'd move or something, or every, you know, after two years I'd move. My main concern was the gym. That was like literally the first thing I would be worried about. Like, where is the nearest gym? That's a meathead gym. That was my number one concern. So, you know, I went full circle with this. So, and maybe, you know, I'll go back to it in the future, but you know, at the end of the day, I think my attitude now is, you know, less is better when it comes to steroid use. I'm not so obsessed with running, you know, DECA, TESS, Vivo, and running Trend, and EQ, and Primo, and all these big cycles anymore. I just don't see the purpose of it. I think that's one of the things that, that I've changed for sure. What do you think about this one, Rick? It's a, it's a complicated uh, topic that we'll get into in the next episode. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting topic and and one to uh, really really explore. Uh, there's, I'll give you guys a teaser of what we're going to discuss because there's a, a consideration to make here. Now, steroid use for older guys can differ. If you're an older guy who's been using steroids since his twenties and early thirties, um, the way Steve and I have done, or if you're an older guy who's like on TRT, loving it. TRT is kind of your first real kind of real steroid uh, experience. Maybe you did a cycle too early on as a young man, pro hormones, but now you're really on TRT and and liking it and, and thinking about what else you can add onto that TRT to feel and look even better. So your considerations may be different because you haven't been beating up your body your whole entire life. And your considerations may be different because you could have been training Natty for a long time. So we're definitely going to get into that, you know, because the, if you're if you're a guy who's 55 and you've been using steroids for 30 years, 
for 20 years, your steroid uses considerations may be different than a guy who's 55, who's that same age, and has never used steroids ever before in their life. Uh, not only is there a, an experience level uh, thing to consider, but there's also a cumulative over the year, maybe damage to consider. You know, the guy who's been doing steroids for 30 years, if he's prone to some to some sort of long-term effects, he's coming right around the corner where they might come about. The guy who's never used steroids or used steroids very lightly just the last few years, even at the same age, that guy doesn't have some of this cumulative damage from use over the years that we all kind of know it's, it's very possible. I mean, look, high levels of androgens, if you're prone to it, will fuck with your prostate badly. That's just the name one. So obviously, if you've been using steroids for many, many, many years, you might just have some prostate issues that another man with the same predisposition as you who hasn't been banging high levels of androgens in their system for years, he might not. That's just one example. So it's something definitely that we'll be uh, getting into on the on the next podcast. Some some very good specific cycle recommendations for uh, for both uh, sets of guys. And th- at least that's the part I'm going to mainly focus on for you guys. Next one we're going to talk about is do I have to run tests for a first cycle? So the big misconception out there, and I cannot say this enough, is people think that if they just run testosterone as their first cycle – it's like the best thing they can do. There's no side effects and they won't hurt themselves or anything. And it's just the farthest from the truth. Testosterone, when you take testosterone, guys, it, is, it, it, will, it will shut you down. A lot of people think that, you know, I, I can run testosterone. It's not going to shut me down. But that's, that's just false. And you can run blood work to confirm that. So I never understood that, why guys think that running testosterone as a first cycle somehow a conservative idea and it's not at all it's actually a very potent cycle so you should treat any anabolic steroid very very seriously because they all come with side effects they all will shut you down aside from maybe provirin if you run it a certain way but anabolic steroids that's what they do they signal your pituitary glands that you have too much hormone so they shut you down so if you run testosterone two weeks into that testosterone cycle if you get blood work done your LH and your FSH are going to dive to zero. You're not going to be producing hormones anymore. Also, testosterone, moderate dosage, aromatizes into estrogen. It also is very androgenic at moderate dosages. So there is an ample amount of side effects that come with a testosterone cycle. So, you know, my attitude is, no, you don't have to run testosterone as a first cycle. You can run any steroid as a first cycle. The only ones that I don't think you should be running as a first cycle are the more harsh ones like Trembolone, for example. It's too strong. It's too harsh. I don't think it makes any sense because it'd be like giving a 18-year-old a Lamborghini as his first car. It's not going to end well. And like, what's he going to go from there? Well, like, he's got nowhere to go. Once you run Trembolone, you're not going to run or go back to using Primo. You're not going to want to go back to, to running EQ. You don't want to downsize what you're using. So that would be the only exception. But I think running like a primo cycle or EQ cycle or running, you know, any of the any of those injectables, testosterone, that's fine. 
I don't see any problem with running an oral as a first cycle. I don't see any problem with running as an oral as a Kickstarter to a cycle. As long as you're, you should already have your ducks in a row. You should already have your on-cycle ancillaries. You should already have your on-cycle supplements, the N2Guard, the N2Generate. You should already have your PCT supplements and your PCT drugs, the CIRMs, the N2Generate testosterone booster, your, your herbals, right? That should all be your ducks in a row, no matter what you run as a first cycle. So don't think, yeah, I'm just going to run 500 milligrams a week testosterone for 12 weeks, which is the cookie cutter first cycle everyone says to run and nothing's bad going to happen because there are thousands, tens of thousands of guys who have done that and have been ended up needing to be fitted for a bra because they got gynecomastia and tens of thousands of guys that have done that and who have shut themselves down and haven't been able to recover from that. You know, their, their, their testosterone levels never recover from a cycle like that. It happens. It happens all the time, guys. Look up the threads. So, you know, this misconception that I have to run testosterone as a first cycle is, is misleading. It's misleading and it's pushed by guys who are already on TRT. They're already on TRT. They're already shut down. So for them, they run testosterone year round anyway. So they can just tell you to do that, to run testosterone. And they think they're, they're doing you a favor. And it's just, it's just not true. You know, so I, I don't know, it just drives me crazy when I hear guys always say, oh, you got to run testosterone for a first cycle. This has going, been going on years on forums. So I don't buy it. I think if you ran pre-EQ 500 milligrams a week for 12 weeks, you would have less side effects. You'd be shut down less. You'd be able to recover quicker. You, you'd have great results on a cycle like that. And it's it's it's, it's easy. I mean, it's an easy cycle because you don't have to worry so much about water retention and androgenic side effects. So I think people need to be more flexible for, you know, what they recommend for a first cycle. What do you think, Rick? You know, uh, the first cycle uh, question here, our scenario, I'm going to assume that the guy has already had five to eight years of natural training and that we're talking about someone who's already pushed through a couple of plateaus, natty, Okay, just just changing diet, changing their training up, you know, and and then any little bit of something to throw on, on top of their mix, on top of a guy's regimen that's already grinding like that is going to to improve. So uh, I, I do like testosterone as a first cycle for anyone. I like testosterone as maybe could be the only thing someone does their whole entire life and looks great doing it. Maybe testosterone and GH. Testosterone and good good human grade testosterone, good human growth hormone might be the only thing someone their entire life, and they're extremely happy with their physique for their whole lives. Instagram, Facebook, love that shit. Okay, so um, I do. Are there any better things than testosterone as a as a first cycle? Why not? Yeah, maybe. Uh, again, if you're a guy that's been grinding it five to eight years and you've pushed through some plateaus already with just diet, training, supplements, over the counter stuff, uh, you throw a little bit of androgel on your grind already that you've refined throughout the years, bro, you're going to gain some poundage on just some fucking androgel, just some gel right on your shoulders, on, on your nutsack, whatever. It'll work. SARMs, you, you've been grinding it out. Uh, you throw a little bit of GW and Austrian mix, 
for your first time around, you'll gain some, some solid muscle mass. You'll lose some body fat pretty effortlessly. It's pretty nice. Primo only cycle. Primo only cycle. It's probably the only time I'll tell a newbie, yeah, do five, 600 MIGs a week for your first cycle. Why the fuck not? 700 MIGs a week. Why the fuck not? Primo only cycle. Three, 200 milligrams. Primo only cycle. Five, six. If you've been grinding it and training for five, seven years, natty, five years, natty, taking sets to failure until the muscle hurts, and you throw a couple hundred milligrams of primo bowling per week on top of that, you're going to notice a huge difference. You're going to get it. If you're one of these guys that's been training on and off a little bit and just got serious the last six months, a year, and you throw 200 milligrams of primo on there, you might not kind of see a lot of anything. You might not. You might be negligent. But if you've been grinding it out five years, six years, watching changes in the mirror, just from taking more or less creatine, you got it down to that level. Just from changing your, your training regimen, you'd see different things going on in the mirror. Drop 200, 300 milligrams of Primo on that. You're going to see something crazy. Same thing with a little 40 milligram per day cycle of Anabar. Or even D-ball, man. D-ball only cycle. 20 mix. No no AI. Fuck that. No AI. 10 milligrams a day. 50 mix a day. 20 mix a day. No AI. Okay? If you're not prone to gynecomastia. D-ball only cycle. First cycle around. Five years natural, natural training. First cycle. 20 milligrams of D-ball a day for six fucking weeks. No AI. Hit that shit. Got a little bit of itchy nipples, throw a little bit of Nova on there. Don't don't stop the conversion. Hit that shit. That's another good, nice one, too. Ron, would I um I wouldn't skip over Primo Volan to go do EQ as a first, as a first time cycle. There are some considerations on EQ if we want to be really real. So I'll, I'll disagree just a little bit with you on that, Steve. You're not wrong. EQ could be a great, a great firmer cycle, but I wouldn't kind of jump over primo bowling to do eq first um i'd probably do testosterone as a first cycle before doing primo or or eq but if we're gonna take just for for argument's sake testosterone out of the equation eq you know the back acne on it is uh it's something to consider uh it does have a long Ester chain. So if you run into any maybe kind of side effects that you're not, not thrilled with, you're in for, for a little bit of a longer ride. You you have to kind of know what you're doing with PCT a little bit, even though it's not that hard a PCT back from EQ because of that longer ester. Also, you, you could, you know, you might need to go in and donate blood after you finish your cycle. Uh, and remember to do that. And some newbies don't don't know to do that when they use EQ. So I maybe not wouldn't kind of skip over uh, you know look at the same price i'd rather as a first cycle do 200 megs a week of primo bowling than four or five hundred megs a week of eq so first cycle at the same price let's say um that's again talking about a guy who's been training for five six years looking in the mirror every day can see a difference just changing of creatine you throw you know those are the who i was kind of my recommendations are for you guys out there that are like on and off training for a couple of years and then get serious for, for six, 12 months. And then you want to come in and crush it with a cycle. Yeah. Just 
kind of whatever, bro. You're kind of you're gonna kind of lose most of those gains anyway. It'll be pretty momentary, unless you have the genetics for it. And I've seen guys out there that are just genetic freaks with, on that sauce. But um, most likely than not, you're gonna waste you know waste your time. Next one we're gonna talk about is what do you do when you have swelling, redness from in, injecting? So first off. We all have different allergies. It could be a simple situation where you're injecting foreign substance into your body and your body is like, whoa, something is off here. So it's going to react by getting swollen, getting red, running a fever, it might be hot, hot to the touch. If that's the case, you need to get in touch with your source and find out what they're using what the oil is they're using. You could be allergic to the oil. Another problem is, could be just a bad injection. Sometimes when you make an injection, you get tissue irritation, your body, your muscle just rejects it. I mean, you're stabbing something into, into your muscle, right? Deep into your muscle. Muscle might not like it. Your muscle, muscle might be like, whoa, something's wrong here. I'm in your body's like, I'm gonna react. So it could be a reaction like that. It's not likely to be an infection when you get it that quickly. Infections take days to, to, to come. And what happens with an infection is your body just gets overwhelmed. So whatever that bacteria that's in there, it could be a surface bacteria, whatever, kind of digs in there grows, and then you got a bacterial infection where you definitely need to get that taken care of. So really, the, I think a good tip is don't freak out. Stay away from that area. Try a different muscle with the same gear. If the problem happens again twice in a row, then I would say, yes, you're allergic to the gear. It's time to contact your source. Be like, look, Dude, you know, this gear is giving me allergies. I'm not blaming you. I'm allergic to it. What is the oil that you're using so that I can switch it out to a different oil? A good source will usually be like, no problem, bro. I'll send you out a couple more vials of a different brand, different oil. Give that a shot. Okay. If they're a good source, they'll take care of you. Um, now, also, sometimes your muscles don't like to be injected. Certain muscles in your body don't like to be injected. So my left quad doesn't like being injected, but my right quad is okay with it. So that's, that's an example for you. It's just the way our bodies are. And you have to learn what muscles like to be injected and which don't. And that's going to take experience. That's going to take trial and error. So listen to your body when it comes to this. Rick, have you ever had this situation? What's your advice here? Happens sometimes, man. Just uh, put an ice on it and then just take a towel, um, wet it, microwave it, and just cold and warm presses. It's been always the best way I've found to uh, deal with uh, with an injection site that's a little bit sore. That what's the common, just, just... What's the common uh, allergic reactions that are in the carrier oils? 
I know peanut oil obviously is a big one. Some guys uh, are allergic to peanut. What's what's some of the other care or those that you're hearing? Not, not just that, that differs from person to, to person. I mean, you can be allergic to fucking anything. All right. But a lot of it also has to do with the with the spot that you're shooting in. Uh, you might get more more irritation, more sensitivity the closer you are to either red or white tissue in there in the muscle than other. Also, uh, it can also has could have something to do too with you introducing uh, some of those oils and carriers into your body the same day maybe you had some fucking you know some 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 hot sauce or you had some other uh, foods or, or supplements or other drugs that that, are, that could irritate your your body maybe on a trend cycle you're already irritated to begin with so um so there's def definitely a lot of different factors that could be involved there and and look a good proof of that of everything i'm saying is that sometimes out of the same multi-dose bottle you might get one or two shots that are way more painful and take way longer to go to dissipate uh and, and the swelling and the redness take way longer to dissipate than other shots out of the same bottle in the same cycle so it just it could have a lot to do with the spot you hit that day and what was going on chemically in your body that day now when you have a bottle that every time you take a shot out of it it consistently consistently making you know giving you painful irritation or giving you uh, some kind of swelling and redness that takes more than just a day or two to go away then you're really looking at a, a either a, a compound mix or some contaminants or definitely definitely a carrier and oil situation that's that's messing with your that's messing with with, with with the injection site, something in that oil and carrier that your your tissues are, are not responding well to. Um, the contamination is always a possibility that there could be some contamination in that source that's causing the problem. But man, you know, uh, contaminations from heavy metals and contaminations from even pesticides we've discussed on some podcasts uh, where uh, some of these underground uh, raws could be made in, in factories that are that are making other chemicals. That kind of poisoning is can be more of a slow term and slower term uh, poisoning that that you react into heavy metals or reacting to uh, to uh, any kind of of, a, of of chemical contaminants at the injection site right away. I see that um look vaccines right vaccines contain sometimes uh, heavy metals and and some poisons chemicals in them so that when you get the vaccine and the DNA from the virus comes in and these other contaminants come in, your body goes into shock, boom. And it identifies or it thinks that it was the DNA from the virus that made you that sick, that, that brought all this, all this shock into your system. And then your body goes and makes antibodies. If it didn't have all of those contaminants, you call them contaminants, you know, mercury and, and formaldehyde, all this stuff that, that we've now know in vaccines, but they have all this stuff in there that DNA can go into your body, not cause any issues. Your body can get rid of it quite quickly and you'd never make antibodies because it never did anything. So if the shot had contaminants, then you definitely would see a reaction sort of like you would see from a, a vaccine that's got on purpose. It, it has some chemicals in there that, that are gonna make you, make you not great. So most of the time, It'll be, like I said, combination of what's going on in your body at a time and where the shot was actually placed. Um, and, you know, you, you, 
journal. <laughs> if you journal and write shit down and write it down when whenever you your shot didn't go well, and then you could always go and look and see if it was the bottle, if it was the source that uses the the, the brand, the the brand the source that uses the same oil, or, or if it was uh, something you you ate or some other kind of meds and medications and things and supplements that you had that day. You know, it's it's uh you got to know everything that's going on. So it's a pretty thorough answer, I think. So last one we're going to talk about is hand relief, uh, stress relief. So stress relief is, I mean, it's very stressful, right? Like right now I'm very stressed. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here like stressed out, you know? So what do I do to help my, help my stress? Give me an example. Oh, you want me to tell you what to do about your stress? <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> hypothetically, let's say I'm under a lot of stress right now. Like, what do you do? I okay, bet you're do. under a lot of stress. Um, huh? <laughs> I bet you're under a lot of stress. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me see what, what you don't do. Okay. I know people this, they like after work, they go to the bar, they go to a restaurant, they sit there and they drink, you know, they, every day after work, they go and they drink, they have a good time. They're living there laughing, they're having a good time. And then they get home. And they're back to being depressed and back to being stressed. It's just like, it's see, a, it's a revolving see, stress, door. It's a revolving stress, door. depression, and anxiety. I, I think complete different things. No, I mean, some people drink because they're anxious about things coming up in the future, bills, job movements, uh, things like that. Some people drink because they're sad and uh, about things in the past, things they can't change, things lost. And then you have people that are stressed where you could fuck the past, fuck the future, but somebody maybe took too long to pull out of a parking space on the way in there. And that already ruined your day. Like your day was ruined because somebody else was, was didn't act properly in traffic. And that's more of a stress situation. Alcohol, um, you know, for people who are sad, it makes them not sad, not scared. And for people who are scared, it makes them not scared. So alcohol can kind of, uh, can kind of do that at the short term for, for those folks. But for stressed out people, probably one of the last things you want to do is be drinking. If you're a, if you're, if you are, if you can become stressed out easily, because you'll probably be on a hair trigger or an alcohol fighting or, or crying or something. What do you think, Steve? I think um, one of the things that you have to do in life is not overwhelm yourself with with things with responsibilities and a lot of people say this like oh my god you know how dare you say such a thing but i'm saying like you know uh, like if you work a job where you're responsible for a lot of people you have this huge responsibility then you come home and you've got a family now you got responsibility at home you got domestic responsibility you got career responsibility you're just overwhelming yourself to the point where everyone's dependent on you. And it's just a lot of pressure. So I think the key is be flexible in life and don't put yourself in these binds where you're, you're under all the stress, try to eliminate what the stress, uh, whatever st is stressing you out, you've got to kind of like zero in on it and, and take care of it, you know? And if you don't do that, you're going to drive yourself crazy I'm going to kind of change it a little bit. I'm going to let you go back to something else. But one of the big things that we stress ourselves with is what we put in our bodies. The water we drink, the food we eat, 
all this stuff, when you eat, you know, a pizza, okay, you're like, oh, it's just a couple slices of pizza. It's not going to hurt me, you know? And the thing is that pizza is very difficult on your body to di digest. So it's putting stress on your body. So not only do you have that mental stress that's already in our life in these modern times, but now you're adding these digestive stresses into your body as well. So the best thing you can do to reduce stress across the board is clean, a clean, wholesome diet. Try to stick to single ingredient foods. I've talked about this on prior podcasts. If you eat something that has 30 ingredients in it, that's a lot of stress on your body. That's a lot of enzymes that your body has to spit out all at one time to get that food digested. So if you eat just one thing, just one single ingredient food, so much easier on your body, so much less stress on your body. So stick to the easier foods for your body to digest. Fruits, vegetables. Remember, our body is made of water. So what do you want to put in it? You want to put watery fruits and watery vegetables. Those are the easiest foods for our bodies to digest and not be stressed over. And how many people get fruits and vegetables in their diets? I'd say in the, in the United States, Rick, probably like fucking 2% of people get fruits and vegetables in their diet. I mean, it's all processed foods. It's all fast food. It's all restaurant food. No, no fruits and vegetables in, in people's diets. It's really bad. Think about today. You listen to this podcast. How many, how many fruits and vegetables have you had today in your diet? How much water have you had in your diet? Water, good quality water. I'm not talking about crappy water. I'm not talking about, you know, tap water, soda water, or, or crystal light added to your water. I'm talking about just water, good quality water. How much? You know, think about it. And that's, uh, that's kind of scary. Um, so this is adding to our stresses. So you've got to make these little changes to reduce your stress. And then another thing too, what do people do in the blue zones? They're the most not stressed people in the world. They live the longest. They don't let shit bother them. They don't let shit bother them. They also have ways, whether it be through meditation, yoga, um, prayer, any of this stuff. You don't have to be religious. Mindfulness met mindfulness. Mindfulness yeah. meditation is probably one of the best ways to stress there is and one of the easiest forms of meditation there is to do. It's pretty cool. Well, that's why it's good to go to a yoga class because when you're in a yoga class, you're pretty much, it's the, you're in a class full of people who are doing exactly what you're saying, Rick. So it's, you get that effect, but you don't have to spend money and go to yoga class. You can just do it on, at home, but it's good to still go to kind of learn what to do. And then you can kind of apply that at home. So those are, if, those if are you things. practice, if you practice mindfulness, just when you are showering, eating your meals, and maybe when you're doing some of your exercises and not the whole time, just in, if you can knock it out where you can do 60 to 120 second spans where you're caught in full mindfulness, man, um, it, it's so much easier to deal with, with life stresses. I mean, you're gonna get right through uh, through your drives to and from everywhere you go, and not not care. Like literally, people could cut in front of you, and you just you won't give a fuck. Really, you you'll worry about it if you crash. 
But just because someone is is in a real hurry and they they want to get ahead of you, you just you just don't just don't care, man. Don't give a fuck. Same thing. Go go parking lot, parking spaces. Someone takes it. You're like, yeah, I'd rather walk anyway. I want to run some more cows. And go way down. You don't give a fuck. Things just, are like it's just, just so much so much easier me. to deal with with stress. Now, as I say, I had this guy get mad at me years ago because he thought I took his parking space. And literally, there's like tons of parking space. He thought like I, so he comes up to me. He was in a restaurant. He just comes up to me. He's like, I just want to say you're an arrogant ass. And then he walks away. And I'm like, dude, like, really? Like, like, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with people? It's a, it's a small dick syndrome is what I call it. You know? You know, I, I don't, I, I never had an issue with anybody of our parking space ever. I, 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 I give people the parking spaces. I like walking. So I park far. I like walking. I don't like people dinging my fucking doors. That pisses me off. So it's just a combination of like, fuck, everybody can have the close parking spaces. I'll, I'll walk the extra 60 seconds. It takes to get, you know, the extra two minutes, three minutes literally takes you uh, to walk the extra whatever the extra feet over to the further parking space where nobody's going to come up next to you and, and ding your fucking doors or it's you get some extra cows done i don't know man there's just like some people are just so quick to be upset over dumb shit it's is it's ridiculous i don't i don't get it i don't get it at all i guess i do i guess i did get it at the time but look man mindfulness look that shit up on on youtube it's so simple man like when you're eating your food, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, explained it. When you're eating your food, instead of thinking about anything else other than how tasty it is and every bite and listening to the food rip into pieces inside of your mouth and just enjoying, just 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 twirling your tongue inside of this food you're chewing and, and touching every flavor of it. I mean, when you're in the shower, instead of like just scrubbing, scrubbing, trying to get out of there, thinking about the next thing or listening to music, the dumb shit like that you could just just feel the sponge the soapy sponge on its skin just feel it. It, it just when you are you know putting shampoo in your scalp just enjoy that process get a get like a brush and when you put the shampoo brush your scalp really nicely in there in your hair i mean just like enjoy enjoy you know this pampering of yourself these moments but you and, and just just doing that just being present for the moment for what for for that physical physically enjoying activity you're doing at that moment and worrying not about the past, the future, nothing. You just enjoy the contact there is right now, like a dog, you know, like a dog, like, like a, a dog or your cat. Yeah. yeah. Like when a your dog, dog or a cat. Your dog and your cat licks Come. itself and, and cleans itself. It's happy. And chilling when it's next to you, you're rubbing his belly. It's doesn't care about anything. It is not worried about if there's going to be food on the bowl later tonight. Or he's it's just, not he's worried just, about the stock market. It's not worried shit. about the news. It's not, not a fucking thing. Not yeah. a fucking thing. And if you can just get yourself into that state, I'm talking about minutes a day, guys. Like I'm talking about literally, if you can knock out two minutes of mindfulness in the shower, two minutes of mindfulness. Uh, I'd say one minute of mindfulness with, with each meal and maybe a, another two minutes of mindfulness during your workout. Oh, man, are you going to be fucking powerful? Oh, man, it's just nothing going to be able to bring you down, bro. Oh, man, you're going to be a powerful, powerful, powerful being walking this earth. It's that simple because you can just have so much way, way more control over your emotions and how you feel on a daily basis. Oh, man, it's so nice. 
right, guys. So this was another great episode. We're going to have another uh, Q&A episode next week. Keep the questions coming for Steve Smee and the Rickster. This has been another episode. Talk to you then. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.